Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, hello everyone. So fantastic to be with you on Parenthood Friday, episode 290, and we are going to be leaving our boundaries collection behind. And today I've titled it Less Toys Makes Happier Kids. Now, guys, you're going to love this because I am going to make you feel way less guilty as well as saving you a whole heap of money. Uh, But there is definitely a pressure on parents these days to be improving and educating their child and giving them opportunities and experiences pretty much as soon as they're out of the womb, right? And we fall into that easy trap of comparing our child to other children the same age. And then, of course, comparing ourselves and our parenting we rate our parenting depending on, you know, like I remember, I remember when Liam was little and he happened to have pretty good fine motor skills. And there was another friend who had a baby same age. And um, so Liam at quite a young age was able to use a fork properly and to feed himself. And I remember my friend going, my son's not doing that. What's wrong with my son? He can't. And I'm like, stop comparing. They're all so different. Kids walk at different ages. They talk at different ages. Um, you know, they, they develop their fine motor skills at different ages, but we really do feel the pressure, don't we? To have these, you know, children that just seem to be achieving almost the moment that they are, are born. We send them to the very best childcare. We buy them toys to stimulate their minds. We make sure that they walk as early as they can. Uh, We go and book them into swimming lessons almost as soon as they're born. We want to make sure they can count forwards and backwards to 100 by the time they're two. And we want them reading before they start school, even though the purpose of school is to teach them to read. So I really get it. I get it. I get it. We give them every toy under the sun. Everyone else buys them every toy under the sun. And we really do run ourselves ragged, spend copious amounts of money, making sure that our child has the very, very best. And um, I want to relieve you of any um, myths. Let's call them myths today about what really is best for our child. So do this for me. Have a little... uh, stock take right now of your house, your car, how many boxes, bags of toys does your child have? And if you've got multiple children, then obviously how many would they have between them? How many parts of your house is filled with kids' toys? You know, is there any room of your house where you cannot tell that you've got children? And what about their bedrooms? How many things are stuffed into their wardrobes and drawers? And then I want you to ask yourself this, are today's kids happier? Are today's young people happier? Are they healthier? Is their mental health stronger? And sadly, the answer to all of those is actually no, Uh, which means we're doing something 
not right. And I don't think we can blame one particular thing, but I certainly think that we need to take stock and go, what are we doing? What are we doing that maybe we need to look at? Our kids have more, do more than ever before, and yet are growing up less resilient. So we need a revolution of parents who are willing to go against the flow of what everyone else is doing and do it differently. And this is going to take courage. And I want to encourage you in that today because you are listening because obviously you're resonating with a lot of what I talk about when it comes to parenting. And a lot of what I talk about, I know that it works because I've got three kids who are almost, well, who are adults. um, And I've watched quite a few of my friends raise kids and we all raise them with all of these principles. Um, And so I know that you're here for it. And so kudos to you. But I want to really remind you today to not feel the pressure of what everyone else is doing and to let yourself off the hook today. And let me tell you, you know, our kids, they really will benefit most from being with you, from having time to just play, to be off devices, being in the beautiful outdoors, playing until the sun sets and even a little longer after it gets dark and the streetlights are starting to come on. Shock horror. They will benefit the most from getting dirty, from being out in the cold, from climbing trees, from being bored, from making fun out of nothing. So today is about simplifying their lives and feeling really good about it. So I want to give you a little snapshot of my childhood in the 80s. I follow this lady on Instagram and I forget what her name is. And I I hope I've saved it so I can, I, I might actually pop it up so that you guys can see. But she does these snapshots of what it was like in the 80s in all sorts of different, you know, areas of her life. But Every time I listen to her, um, and there's so many, quite thousands and thousands of comments, because it's like, yes, that was my childhood. And despite what I went through with my parents getting divorced, the other side to it was I did have a great childhood growing up in the 80s. Like, guys, shock horror. I walked to school and back every day with my sister, my neighbor, and my cousin, and no adults in sight. And guess what? It took a half an hour each way. And we had to cross main roads. After school, I would come home. I would have afternoon tea. It wasn't hummus or anything healthy. It was chicken crimpy biscuits usually. Sorry, chicken. Yeah, chicken crimpy biscuits. I loved them. I would get my little bowl out and have a bowl of those. I'd watch like maybe half hour of cartoons, an hour at the most, but cartoons didn't go for that long. And then I would go outside with my sister, the same people I walked to school with, And it didn't matter if it was hot. It didn't matter if it was cold. If it was hot, we just took an ice block with us. If it was cold, we just put a coat on. We would play in the backyard for hours. We would walk to the local creek. I remember catching tadpoles and bringing them home again and trying to make my own little... um, my own little uh, place for the for the tadpoles to live in. I remember digging a hole and lining it, guys, with aluminium. Somehow I thought that if I did that, that the water wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, I think I killed the tadpoles. But anyway, we would ride bikes until dark around the neighborhood 
When the streetlights would come on, we knew, oh, time to come home. And yes, there was stranger danger, but we were told what to do. And, you know, clearly um, we had lots of, I remember having lessons at school on stranger danger. Now, I'm not saying that it's safe as safe now to do all of these things, okay? So I'm not saying go send your kids off riding their bike on the street till dark, but I'm just saying this is what my childhood was. Uh, My mum would then call us in for dinner and we'd have a bath and we'd hop in our PJs. And then I remember at the end of each day, my mum would do devotions with my sister and I while we ate a bowl of ice cream. And then we went to bed and that was pretty much my days. Saturdays were even better. I would walk with my sister to the local deli. Again, that was further than the school, guys. That would take about 35 minutes and we would buy lollies. I'd go to my cousin's house to play. My uncle would take us to the local swimming pool or to the skating rink. And when I think of my childhood, I did not have an excess of anything. I certainly didn't have an excess of clothes. I didn't have an excess of toys. I was thinking about it. I just had like our toys were not all over the house. There were no toys in our lounge. My sister and I shared a bedroom. We had this old school buffet and whatever would fit in the buffet, that's what we were allowed to have. We had um, a few dolls, lots of books, a few games, a Rubik's Cube, a train set that my dad randomly bought me, which I he thought I would like, but I'm like, hello, no dad, give me a doll, not a train set. Uh, I had a bike outside and that was pretty much it. And despite my parents being divorced and me being highly sensitive as a child, and certainly yes, that led to many anxious moments, but in general, I was happy, resilient, and well-adjusted. But for some reason, we have bought into the lie that we are being good parents when we buy our children things, such as a whole range of toys. But guys, it just could not be further from the truth. We think that giving them the best is giving them lots of things. But I want to suggest something to you today, and I'm going to give you, how many reasons have I written down? Eight. I'm going to give you eight reasons why I want you to try something for me. I want you to take away most of their toys. (gasps) Shock horror right? Take away most of their toys. I'm going to give you eight reasons why. Do an experiment. And now I used to do this all the time. I never let my kids have all of their toys. I would put, I mean, I'm a teacher, so I've got boxes and I label things and every different kind of toy had a box. Even the random toys went into the random box. But other than that, there was the Lego box and the Polly Pocket box and whatever else we had. So put them away in the cupboards, put them in boxes and just leave out. Look, I used to leave out about three or four boxes and then I would rotate them. And the funny thing was toys that might've, you know, they might be old toys, but because they haven't seen them for a couple of weeks, when you bring them out, it's like they've got these brand new toys again. So I would always have about three or four on rotation, but I want to encourage you to do something. Just leave out maybe two. But but not books. Don't put them away, okay? Leave books. Leave out lots and lots of books. So these are nine reasons, eight reasons, eight reasons, sorry, that I want you to take away all their options. And I'll tell you what will happen. Firstly, they really probably won't notice. Now, if they are older and they're used to having a thousand toys, they probably will. But if they're a bit younger and you can experiment with this, I promise you they're not going to notice. 
We think that children need all these toys to entertain them, but they actually don't. They are so adaptable. So if you take that gear away, you might be surprised because what happens is, number two, they will start to play with whatever they can find. When kids don't have a thousand toys in front of them, they will go in search of things to play with because it's an innate part of them that they discover the world and they want to make sense of the world through play. So they will just naturally start to play. I mean, you watch a show that's set like 50 years ago and watch what the kids do. It's fascinating. I'm obsessed right now with a show called Call the Midwife. If you haven't watched it, I love it. And there's 12 seasons, so it just keeps on going. But anyway, that is set in England in the late 50s, early 60s. And I love watching all the children in the neighborhood on this show. They, for starters, were not allowed to stay inside the house during the day. The mums would kick them out and they would go outside all day because it was too squashy inside and they were all pretty poor and the mums had work to do. And they would just spend hours in the streets making their own fun. They weren't given things. They had to find them. Number three, they will be more creative So it will make them get super creative when they don't have a thousand different objects or toys in front of them because the simplest object will become their toy. Planks of wood will become makeshift outdoor huts or ramps. Leaves will become blankets. Sticks will become swords. Wheelbarrows will become a mode of transport. You know, watch kids play when they're not given toys. You'll actually be amazed. I used to love watching my kids. I used to love hearing their conversations too. They would use all manner of things, whether it be in the wardrobes, the kitchen cupboards, they'd pull stuff out, they'd make dress ups. You know, a bin lid became the shell on their back to be a ninja turtle. My skirt and my heels turned Georgia into a princess. Just there's no end to children's creativity. Um, So when we take away their toys, it's so good for them because how can they make something from nothing? when they have everything. That takes no creativity. So it really encourages creativity. Number four, it develops their imagination. So instead of everything uh, and all the thinking being done for them, they have to use their imagination. Now, this is much better for their development than mind-numbing screens. It turns them into problem solvers and creative thinkers, and it really does make for very interesting little children. I mean, you have a conversation with a kid who's been staring at a screen and then go have a conversation with a kid who's been playing uh, some game that they made up in your yard. I guarantee you will be able to see the difference for yourself. Number five, it will help your kids to get along better. I cannot tell you why or the psychology of this, but when my kids were given nothing and they were forced to make their own fun, they used to work together so well. I remember they would get so excited and they'd plan together and then execute their plan. And I would love listening. I'd be like, this is so fascinating. That I remember Liam, he had this husky little voice and he'd always call Georgia, George, hey, George. But they would just talk so nicely to one another. And there was such good energy amongst my kids when they were just making up their own game to play. At number six, they will look at books more. Uh, Very interesting in my house the other day, the internet went down. And apart from the fact that everyone was complaining every two seconds, all of us, including myself, I thought, jeepers, I've gotten too used to just jumping on a screen. 
and it forced us to read or talk instead. But when we take away all these other options from our kids, uh, once they've, you know, had a good play, they usually do turn to a good book. So make sure that there are loads of books for them that are accessible. Books are the soul of a home. I'm just redoing my bookshelf upstairs. I've got books in my study, but I've got a triple bookshelf upstairs because I've got really high ceilings. And at the moment, there's not many books on there. There's a lot of plants and candles and photos, but I'm turning it back into a bookshelf because there's something about walking into, I don't know, I love walking into a bookstore. Guys, this is how weird I am. When I go have coffee at my favorite Westfield, which is actually Carindale. If you live in Queensland, you know what I mean. I like to go to this particular coffee shop because it's right next to a bookshop and I sit having coffee near where I can see the books. I know I'm weird, but there you go. I just find books so homey. So when there are no screens as an option, they will turn to books. And hey, we all know books make them a lot smarter than screens. Number seven, it will lengthen their attention span. Look, we all know that screens and television minimize our attention span, um, but when they also don't have a variety of toys around them to distract them, it means that they can't move from thing to thing to thing. And so they tend to then spend more time on one thing especially if it's something that they've created. Or if they do have a book, you'll find them reading a whole book. So that is a really uh, great reason to take away all their options. And finally, number eight, it's less clutter. Less clutter in the house. And I don't know if you've noticed, but less clutter means more calm. Less toys means less clutter. So there you go. There's my eight reasons to do this little experiment, but don't, don't just make it an experiment, make it a decision that, you know what, I'm going to stop my kids having a million different options because it's not as good for them as what we think. And so let me give you those eight again. Number one, they won't notice when you minimize their toy selection. Number two, they will start to play with what they can find. Number three, they'll become more creative Number four, it develops their imagination. Number five, they'll get along better. Number six, they will look at more books. Number seven, it will lengthen their attention span. And number eight, less clutter, more calm. So by giving them less, guess what? You are actually giving them more. You are not being mean by not giving them toys. You are teaching them so many things. I mean, the the above, those eight points for us starters, Plus, you're teaching them that the way we spend our time matters, how we interact with the world matters, the way that we buy matters. And besides that, toys are only one tiny way that children learn about play. We think it's the only way. It's not. Give them the real gift of cooking, climbing, stacking pillows, creating things with paper, playing with Play-Doh, making forts with blankets, you know, outdoor picnics for their lunch, exploring the forest, singing, dancing, running, jumping, all of these beautiful, beautiful things that should be part of a healthy childhood, but that are unfortunately being hijacked by this lie that we've bought into that our children, we somehow feel like we're giving them the best when we're giving them more, when in actual fact, we're giving them less. So I hope that this has helped you 
and inspired you today. And it really does, if you embrace it, take the pressure off you while at the same time, absolutely benefiting your children and your family. So there you go. I know that you will be so inspired now. You're going to go and pack up your toys. And of course, just remember if your children are older, they probably will notice, but the younger ones will be like, oh, cool. No worries. And so um, I know for me, oh, another little handy tip. I used to often go to the $2 shop. It is amazing what you can find in the $2 shop, like sticker books for two bucks, all sorts of crafty stuff that's super cheap. And, um, you know, I know mums that just have a craft box and they just pile everything in. And uh, sometimes my kids were the happiest with a box. They just have a box and they'd make it into all sorts or they'd paint it. Uh, And so, yeah, I encourage you to do that today because it will really benefit you and your kids. Thank you for coming and listening. Uh, If you would like to continue to support my work here on the podcast, you can do so by joining the Buy Me A Coffee platform and becoming a monthly member um, for as little as $5 a month. Really helps. My aim is to have 50 members so that I can um, podcast for a day a week would be super helpful. Love you guys. Thank you for your support. Thank you also for the new reviews that I'm seeing on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate them. Glad that I'm helping you. We'll see you next Wednesday. I look forward to being with you again. Bye.